Hello, everyone. I know y'all have got to be tired of hearing me say that because that is how I start every episode. So please, if you are tired, let me know how else you want me to start the episode. But uh, we're at another season of Working Within. We're in season three now. We're on video. We have guests. (laughs) I love having video because I can literally see the guest reactions. So like, sorry for the listeners. That's why you need to get on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Um, But I'm very excited because today I, this episode is such a beautiful, like serendipitous moment because (laughs) I met Saya in complete happenstance. We had not known of each other. We we found each other at an event. Shout out to the Urban Leadership Foundation of Colorado, as always. Um, And she really just caught my attention. We bonded uh, very quickly, started talking about everything that's wrong with the world, et cetera. Um, But also we're able to kind of uh, talk a lot about, or not even a lot, but at least a little about being black and queer in Denver. And so Saya just brings, I think, and she will share more, um, a lot of perspective around making that your work. So like making your job getting rid of the toxic systems and practices that get in the way of making sure like the most underrepresented, the most targeted folks feel supported in their workplaces, in life. Um, And I think the work she does is super awesome. She also has amazing interests that she will share about. I won't do it, Saya. Um, But yeah, I was really excited for this episode for us to kind of talk about DEI work, but like actual like progressively led and like with lived experience led work um, and also just about living on the fringe because sometimes like often that can be hard. So anyway, Saya, please, could you please introduce yourself to the audience? I know they want to hear your astrology and of course your pronouns and everything else about you that makes you super fabulous. We also have the rest of the hour, but the intro is your starting place. <laughs> okay, I will try not to like take up <laughs> the entire time for my intro. Um, but what's up, y'all? Yes, my name is Saya B. My pronouns are she and they. You know, pick one or the other or both or whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> um, and I am a person who does a plethora of things. Um, one of the things that I do, as you were just mentioning, right, was um, I'm a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. I run my own LLC, Sayabi Consulting Deep Dive DEI, um, which um, is focused on equipping organizations with the skills that they need to create a more inclusive and equitable workplace culture. I believe there's like a policy side to things, but there's also a cultural side. So many people focus on that policy um, side of things where where are hiring practices looking like? What does this look like? How do we write this up in a policy? I'm more of the how do we live and breathe this and interact with each other in a way uh, that will reinforce those policies and create a sustainable work cult- workplace culture for uh, everyone. 
Um, so that's one side of the coin. I'm also um, a ballroom princess of the Colorado chapter of the House of La Beja. Um, if you're unfamiliar, ballroom is an underground scene for queer and trans people of color. Um, everyone's kind of invited, but it was founded by and for queer and trans people of color to have a space to be celebrated for our beauties and our talents. Um, yeah, we might get into that a little bit later. Um, and... Uh, oh, so for the girls who are just like into the charts of astrology and the stars, um, so I'm a Sagittarius sun, a Capricorn rising, a Sagittarius moon, a Sagittarius mercury, a Scorpio Venus, and a Leo Mars. Um, that's as far as I kind of know. Uh, I have, like, the whole chart thing, but, like, I feel like once you get past Mars, like, the rest of the planets ain't really that important. They, they so far. Uh, <laughs> they so far away. <laughs> um, yeah. So, that's me kind of in a nutshell. Uh, I feel like there's always something I could be talking about. I'm also, um... Yeah, as, I, as I'm talking. Um, I'm also on two boards of directors. One, I'm a board director for an organization called Joy as Resistance, which focuses on LGBTQ mental health for youth um, and providing resources along that route. Um, and their focus has been on this kind of mobile clinic and getting into schools. The mobile clinic kind of travels around Colorado to help people access healthcare, uh, mental healthcare specifically. Um, and they're also, they have a lot of school partnerships. They also do a mentorship program. Um, and and then there's also Envision You, which focuses on LGBTQ um, experiences and health-related issues around uh, substance use um, and creating uh, healthier spaces. But they're also in the process of developing an app for resourcing. They're also, uh, they have a lot of things going on where they do trainings for mental, not sorry, for behavioral health um, organizations. Um, they have a lot going on. They have a... How to have the talk com uh, conversation, which is about um, how do you actually have the talk around LGBTQ identity, especially with when it comes to the relationship between parents and young ones. Um, yeah. Uh, and I'm also, you know, just a little dope person or whatever. Um, I'm a gamer. I'm a musician. I'm an artist. Um, I'm a lot of things. We'll, we'll see what all we get into. <laughs> Yes, and get into them we will. And obviously, starting with the astrology, you said many important things, but I want to start with the astrology. <laughs> Read I me did, <laughs> No, seriously, I did not know that you were a Sagittarius Mercury and Scorpio Venus because that's me too. And so, like, we need to talk oh, about that. <laughs> okay. We got we stuff to talk about. about. <laughs> it's hard out we here. A mess. <laughs> Relationship or our last conversation about relationships scorpio venus exactly okay so um <laughs> yeah anyway thank you saya that and that thank you for the introduction can we get a round of applause please you're such a like rounded human and like <laughs> that just makes me even more excited that you do work in the diversity equity inclusion space as, as it has been branded you know um, it makes me excited that you are someone who is working there um and you also just mentioned so many things like ballroom the boards that you sit on um and the work you do is like really connected and i think that's one of the things i admire about you 
one of them. Like the fact, no, seriously, the, the fact that you like very passionately dedicate your time to things that you care about. Like there's a clear thread between all of them. Um, and just like kind of like the, the liberation of the experience of queer people or as much as it can be in the society and like working toward that. And I just think that's like awesome. So anyway, oh, all I have to you. say. I do it for my people. <laughs> exactly. And that is beautiful. And like, that's why I'm excited to have you on the show so we can just like broadcast this. But um, I want to know, like, let's start out. And I, don't, I see we're probably already going out of order. But like, <laughs> can you tell me what was the path? How did you make... You know, because so let me give you a lens of the context. Like so many people on the podcast, this is like really about empowerment. It's about making choices that align with you and your heart and feeling like you can do that because you're hearing from other people who have done that in many ways. And they've had challenges, of course, but they're, you know, rising above them, overcoming. And I can imagine someone listening to this show right now and even a me right now and a younger version of me would be like, wow, Saya knows what she wants like out of life. Like she is very dedicated to the, right? So I want you to kind of like dispel or not that statement because you know, you are really focused right now and that is really great. But like, how did this happen? Um, That's so funny because I feel, <laughs> um, what's the phrase that you just used um, around my life? Like, like having it figured out. Yeah, I, I think that's funny only because I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> at any time. Um, it's it's wild. Um, and when I say that, I mean um, more so like it's not like I just dreamt of this is the life I'm going to live and this is what's going to happen. It just kind of happened. It just kind of unfolded. Um, so I'm originally from Little Rock, Arkansas, you know. Um, went to the same school as the Little Rock 9, Little Rock Central High School. Um, so for those who do not know, Little Rock Central High is the first school to be integrated um, in the South by Black students. Um, and so that's a big part of my history. Um, and that's where I also really started my social justice journey. I like fell into some programs, saw facilitation for the first time, uh, went through my own trainings for the first time um, and got hooked and was really, I think it was something I was already very invested in. I was always very interested in black history and very interested in um, how inequities in the U.S. specifically have, uh, what, what does that look like historically in our in our culture, in our society? That's always just been a passion of mine. Um, and so for those experiences, it was more about breaking down what that looks like and how that is embedded in so many parts of our culture and how it fuels itself and that cycles itself uh, over and over again. Um, and so whatever, all to the point of um, I got involved in those programs. <laughs> I got involved in those Not programs. <laughs> Not whatever, but you know, you know what I mean. But I was very interested in that. I ended up in those programs totally by accident. It was like a field trip that we got extra credit for. And I was like, oh, I want extra credit. So I went and it turned out being one of those like, remember MTV when they had like those like challenge day videos yes. or that show? Very Giving very much that. Very much mm -hmm. like, let's talk about our traumas. Let's trauma bond. Um, mm -hmm. And I lived. <laughs> I was here for it. And so I went back. I kept volunteering. Um, and ended up uh, doing a training for my high school faculty and staff my senior year uh, to address issues that me and fellow students thought we were that thought needed to be you know brought to the forefront. 
Um, so that was like my first time really facilitating that, and I just kept volunteering and volunteering. Um, funny enough, I play trombone and I also play piano. Um, so I went to University of Memphis on a full ride music scholarship for trombone. Um, and I was like originally a double music major. Um, that lasted a whole semester and I immediately changed my major because I said, this is not for me, um, <laughs> to psychology randomly. Um, mm-hmm. but I was also very interested in how our minds work and all of that. So I was like, well, let's see what this is giving. Um, and throughout that, even at that time, right, I was still, for me, uh, growing up in Little Rock, Arkansas, right, um, there's a lot of homophobia, transphobia in the South. Um, my coming out experience was not positive. Um, and so for me, it was very important to get a full ride to move out of state. Mm-hmm. Like it was very important because I needed to have more space and room to figure out who I am and what I like and what is important to me. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted a different sense of community. So when I went to University of Memphis, I was also an, I also had a leadership scholarship and we had to like be involved our first year or whatever. And everyone's like, oh, I'm gonna be in student government. Uh, oh my goodness, I'm gonna be in Habitat for Humanity. Uh, you know, like these kind of things that like nothing wrong with it, but it's just, mm-hmm. it was very like low hanging fruit. Like everyone's gonna go for student government. Everyone's yeah. gonna go for all of these things. And mm-hmm. it didn't interest me. And I was always concerned because I was like, do I have to do these things if I'm not interested? And a lot of people weren't interested and then they ended up hating their experience. Um, I was looking for the gay, so I was looking for the gays. I was like, let me find the Gay Straight Alliance. I ended up becoming president my sophomore year and ran the Gay Straight Alliance for three years. Um, and then I also started my own organization, Student Org, that was like focused on bringing those same critical conversations I was having in high school to the college campus. I wanted to continue to do those facilitated conversations. Um, Ended up in Colorado, getting my master's or whatever in counseling psychology. I went to University of Denver. Uh, and I gagged because I'm from Arkansas. So when they were like, oh, 1500 a month for a one bed, not even one bedroom, a studio. <laughs> Unfurnished. I gagged. Um, but I ended up finding a campus job that was literally what I'd always been doing around social justice, facilitating these uh, kind of social justice conversations. Um, and it gave me free room and board, you know, um, and I was like, the universe is just carrying me along. Um, and it wasn't until February of last year, actually, that I started Saya B Consulting, um, because I wanted to do my own thing. And I had done this work since high school in, in so many different areas and so many different settings that I was catching on to patterns. I wanted to really focus on empathy, um, and all of that. Um, and shortly after I left my job to start what I'm doing now, um, I like joined a ballroom house. I started getting involved in ballroom a lot more. Um, it just all kind of came together. And I think the reason why it's hard for me to say that it was something that I like really sought after is because it really wasn't. It was just, I think for me, and this is my advice to everyone who is like on their career path, trying to figure out what is it that I want to do or how do I achieve quote unquote success. I really think it comes from really diving into the things that you're passionate about because that's what I did. I was diving into things I was passionate about. When I was doing the social justice stuff, I was getting zero money, right? It was just, I was volunteering because I thought it was fun. I thought it was great. I loved having those deep conversations and connecting emotionally with people. I got involved in ballroom because I wanted to find community of folks who looked like me um, and celebrate me in those ways. Um, And because they were things that I was very passionate about, things that I really loved, I put my all into them. And um, 
they've just kind of evolved and developed into what I'm doing now. Um, so yeah. The evolution. Thank you. Look, now you got me singing on the mic. You were just like, <laughs> literally, <laughs> I'm gonna go back and forth um, on the podcast. Okay, there are a few things I want to like just pull out of there, if not all. Um, one of the earlier things that you noted, Saya, you mentioned like how moving away from Arkansas allowed you to have space to figure out what you like and who you are. And um, I have to hit on space because that's one of Working Within's values. Look at our values page. But also because I think it is so important, especially for like a creative energy, which it sounds like you have um, serial entrepreneurship a little bit with like facilitating those organizations and then also starting your own thing. Like without space, at least for me, it's like, I can't think about anything. Like, and I am way too swayed by others. And that connects to another thing that you mentioned being empathy. And I know, and we'll dive into this, but I know that you provide like empathy coaching and training. And so when you are an empathetic person, and this falls a lot on the burden of those who are pushed to the fringe because empathy is required to like live your daily life sanely, right? Like I I have to have empathy all the time, (laughs) but, the fact that you brought that up, I just know with space, it, it gives you more space to have like empathy for yourself almost because um, you're you're releasing the weight of carrying all that other energy around you. And again, I'm saying you, but I should be speaking for myself. So, but, <laughs> um, and I think also it's just so cool that you were facilitating conversations. This is like, <sighs> there's so many points of connection here. Like, I, um, in school, also, like, facilitated conversations. I literally forgot. I have not even told, like, I forgot about that. But it's so true. When you dive into the things you're passionate about, they just keep coming up. And, like, there's just more for you to have and to take or to work on because you are putting your energy in the things that you care about. And it's just coming back to you. And so it's really cool to hear you reflect on that story. And I hope for listeners, like, really exciting because we all care about something. We're humans. We have big fat hearts look at my shirt (laughs) we have big fat hearts so of course but anyway that's great I guess like no (laughs) I know right podcasting it is what it is (laughs) I want to hear about empathy coaching because I just did just throw that out there and you mentioned it briefly but like what does that look like and why do you think there is a need for it because like you are providing the service and I think there's a need for it too but like you are providing this service, like, what is the need case? And like, how have you stepped into providing that for other folks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, empathy coaching is something that I made up. <laughs> um, legit, um, but I made it up for good reason. And the reason why is because I feel like it's, like you said, there's a need that's just not being met. And um, I've sat through many a diversity, equity, inclusion, Jedi, DEI, idea, whatever acronym you want to throw out of it. I've sat in a lot of those workshops. I've sat in a lot of those trainings, whether it's like a one hour, whether it's like a 16 hour, uh, a week long. Like I've sat through a lot of them. And the difference, I think, between the ones that make good trainings and the ones that make pretty useless ones, I won't say terrible, I will say useless, um, is that the ones for me that have been the most impactful and are, are the ones that connect me to other people. 
Um, and I think that's the biggest thing of when I see trainings that are kind of useless or just not done well is they're missing that human component. Um, it's more so kind of reaching for this kind of utopia-esque situation or ideal that doesn't exist, right? There's no such thing as a utopia. Um, I talk about that with ballroom, for example. Like, ballroom is supposed to be the space where you're supposed to go and be celebrating and there's no judgment. But, girl, they will reach you for filth if you look a mess. <laughs> right? It's it's not a utopia. There's no such thing as no conflict. Um and because we know that conflict is always going to be a given, my thing is how do we show up in the midst of that and how do we connect that to diversity and inclusion? And to me, the root of all of it is empathy, which is, for me, how we really connect with one another um, in a way that is different from kind of the policy side of things, which kind of feels like checklist, right? And I think the checklist or the trainings where this is exactly what you're going to do every single time, it's like it can make us feel good because then it's like, oh, we have something tangible. We have something that we could just check. We did it. We did our due diligence. We're done. Um, but then when things either don't pan out or things get more complicated or there's more conflict or it's deeper than just a checkbox, then we get lost. Um, and usually that's when we see uh, marginalized folks in workspaces just leave because it's easier to just leave than to sit and try to advocate for yourself over and over and over again when you're not being heard. Um, so for me, empathy coaching is working with leaderships of organizations to unpack their own implicit biases and really understand how uh, their personal context is influencing the way that they're approaching situations, especially when you're talking about various identities being involved, right? Um, and I think that can be really nuanced. And the reason why I didn't want to I don't know what else I would call it, inclusivity training. The reason I didn't go that route of things is because, A, um, you're always going to be working on something. You're always going to have to, right? We all have biases that we're going to have to figure out. And we all have biases. They're not going anywhere. But what do we do with those biases? How do we bring our awareness to them? And not just biases in social in um, identities, but also the way that we even approach conflict, the way that we approach e like different situations, right? If we have a trauma, for example, of um, conflict that forces us to kind of tend to run away or to approach it harshly or to assume the other person's intention, then we're always going to be coming in with our walls up um, and we're not actually going to be able to get to the root of whatever the conflict actually is, which is, you know, actually under meeting people's needs where they are. Um, and how does diversity and inclusion training, how does that impact the way you see those things, right? So we're bringing, for me, it's about connecting all of those ideas together to create this kind of unique experience for folks uh, that for my goal is to change the way that you see and interact with the world, right, from a base level. Um, so it's not just, oh, we learned a new term today, or here's this, like, crazy traumatic thing that happened in history. Feel bad about this. It's more about um, how are we integrating those same terminologies or those same concepts into our daily life so that we're approaching things differently? Because when we approach the world differently, then everything else is going to change. And a lot of my clients over time with me have seen that because they're showing up differently. They're already seeing different results and they're not doing anything crazy. Um, it's actually really small, basic human things that we should be doing anyway. Um, I hope that's clear. I don't know. It's really hard to talk about. It is about. clear. I'll say the last thing that I'll mention with that too is, uh, and this is in all of my kind of work, but one thing I really focus on is this, is this ex 
experiential learning piece. Um, again, I feel like, first of all, if you have access to an internet, if you have a smartphone, google.com is right there. If you need an article, if you need a book, if you need any of that, literally at the tip of your fingertips. So for me, what's more important is not to say I won't give you an article to read, but that's not my main homework assignment for you. My main homework is how can you reflect or how can you interact with the world differently or bring your awareness to something differently? Because to me, that's the real work that people are sometimes afraid to do or don't realize they need to do. Um, a lot of times we read the article and we're like, oh, I learned something and then we move on, but we haven't actually integrated it in any meaningful way. Um, and then we wonder why things continue to perpetuate in our own lives even. Um, and again, it's bigger than just diversity and inclusion. It gets down even to you as a core person in the way you live your life and interact with others. I think all of that is integrated into one. Ugh, I love the way you just described that because I absolutely couldn't have first. And second, like, I thought it was a very clear picture of like basically your theory of action. Like that's a very consultancy term, but like it is like that is what you believe, what you've tested is tried and true for the work that you do and being able to approach and work and, and having lived experience too, you know that the, the root of some of these things is really just personal context, as you mentioned, and showing up differently in the world. So thank you for like describing that. I think empathy coaching is like, I think it's so fundamental. I, I, I think empathy in general is just really important. Someone spoke this to me recently and I really appreciated it and I'm not going to take credit for it. Someone else said it, but um, the it, it, because we live in a society, we owe so much to each other because we live among each other. We work with each other. Like we pay each other. We trade with each other. Like we have relationships with each other and we need each other because we're humans. We're interdependent. Um, and empathy if we need each other to live like that is really important so that we can understand the experiences that we're all, ha we're all having especially for those who might get shorter ends of sticks um and thank you for harping on personal context as well like i should absolutely say like obviously my experience is coded by being black and being woman um and many other things um, and that is true for everyone, right? Like we all have those identities that really flag our experiences. And it just happens that I incarnated this way. But, you know, there are so many other like, seriously, there are so many other intersections. And so no one is like, everyone needs empathy. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> and like what you mentioned about yes we can acknowledge something's happened we can read the article we can see the news headline without action that doesn't do much and so like i really appreciate that you highlight that like yeah it is experience so, like we need to change our behavioral patterns we need to change our experiences so that we react to things differently we interact with people differently and <sighs> try not to perpetuate like really harmful systems that exist so and that's on period her. I, I like this that you do. I was like, <laughs> when I first noticed you do that, which was like probably the first time we met, I was like, this is so good. <laughs> Listeners, uh, for those who aren't it watching, it's, like, it's a snap, but it's not a snap. It's really just bringing your. Oh, I'm kind of snapping with it. Ooh. Oh, okay. Um, it's kind of from ballroom. So, like, when someone goes into a dip, BT dubs is not a death drop, it's a dip. Um, 
So when someone goes into a dip, typically the audience will catch the dip. Um, oh. And that's kind of like, bam, mm-hmm, like on point. Yes. <laughs> Got it. More. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for educating us, literally. Um, that's very cool. I'm not going to take it, but it's very cool. No. <laughs> so, okay. But I don't want to gloss over the fact that you started your organization um, and you've been like getting great work Right, so like another round of applause. Yeah. I know, awesome. I gagged. Everyone was like, oh yeah, you don't really see your business take off until like year three or so. And I was just like, well, we'll see. Can people stop doing that? There's no <laughs> need to project, Listen. okay? It's like, you're doing what you're doing. And I like, first of all, size information is obviously in the episode description, y'all. Like, check her services out. Like, there are a lot of things on there and pay her for doing this work. Um, but also I don't want to harp, I don't want to lose the fact that this is emotional labor, like empathy training is emotional labor, like going to workplaces and like leading leadership teams through really tough conversations. Like that is emotional labor. So how do you, how do you like handle that? Um, and I'm projecting because like, from my experience, I like, it is very hard for me. Like I used to do conversations in college with truth, shout out to truth. Teach racial understanding through honesty. That was fun and good, and I really enjoyed it. And then to the real world, I couldn't imagine doing that regularly. I'm happy to speak about things, but I can't imagine regularly being in a workshop space or a facilitated environment where your job is to kind of disrupt every time you're there and like have really gritty conversation and also hold the emotion, but not like act on it per se so how do you like manage all of that yeah um i think this first of all goes back to my original point right of do something that you actually love (laughs) i think that's that's the root of this like the main root of that is i think a lot of people either have fooled themselves into thinking that they love something or they it gives them the most money and the most benefits so i should love it Um, or my parents have always told me that this is what I need to do. So like, I should love this. Um, and if you're kind of forcing it, but like at the end of the day, you're not energized by it. You're not interested in it. You're, um, yeah, it's just not doing anything for you. I would say, first of all, you might want to double check what profession you're in. (laughs) You might want to double check your job. No shade. Um, like you can do things that obviously, um, don't necessarily fuel you to make ends meet. And I think that's fair. And, you know, we live in the society and if you're not satisfied with where you are, there's probably a deeper reason behind that. Um, so for me, and I say that even in the diversity, equity, inclusion space, like in the diversity, equity, inclusion space, I know so many different consultants and none of us do the same thing. Uh, I'm the only person that's really in the trenches of like, no, I will talk with you about your feelings. I will talk with white, straight, cis people who are wealthy about all of their feelings, about all the things. I'm here for it. I love it. Um, send them all to me, um, my little social justice babies, um, and I'll keep oh, them right babies. on together. <laughs> um, it's my, I, I love doing it. And um, so when I, it's actually my favorite days are when I get to go do a workshop. Um, especially now that we're getting in person. I just did an in-person workshop with 50 people the other day. Um, And the energy was so good. Um, And I try to feed off of energy. 
um, a lot. And so when I get a lot of people coming up to me afterwards saying, oh my goodness, this was amazing. I've never had a training like this. And I'm just like, I don't know, thank you. Um, and getting like, and I get feedback from, you know, folks who are of color, folks who are white, and everyone is kind of having, you know, different aha moments and moments of like realization um, that just is so beautiful to see and witness. Um, and so for me, that alone fuels me. Um, like I will have a, I will have a great coaching session with someone, and I'm giddy the rest of the day. I'm just like, oh my goodness, I just want to go do things. Um, so that actually in itself fuels me, even when it's deep, even when it's hard. Um, I also think the way that I approach the work is I try to do it in a way that's not combative. I try to do it in a way that is again about connecting. Uh, right. And I think a part of that is I can't be the empathy coach and then not practice and demonstrate empathy to my clients. Right. Um, so I am going in with the expectation and actually I really desire I'm ready for it. The person to come and say all the problematic things to me. I want you in my space. I want you in my room because if you're saying it to me, guess what? We're in a space where we can talk about it. We can I can yeah. help process that with you and tell you why that's really say um uh, <laughs> why that's a really messed up thing to say um all of that we can get into that before you go back out into the world <laughs> and you're with someone else who looks like me and then you make a real mistake uh, i i see my kind of being the practice space i want you to be i want you to say those things now so that way i can correct you and you ain't gotta like go out into the world and find out the hard way um mm. So, and to do that, right, I have to already have some level of empathy. And for me, empathy isn't, I think a lot of people kind of describe themselves as empaths. And um, here's the reason why I think that's not a thing. Um, <laughs> no shade. Uh, the reason why is I, I think the people who I've met that describe themselves as empaths describe being able to kind of feel what other people are feeling innately. Um, and the problem with that is, is at some point projection has to be at play, right? So you feel some type of way about the situation. This is how you would feel in a situation. And so you project that onto someone else and say, that must be how they're feeling. I know how they're feeling. And that gets misconstrued. And for me, empathy is actually about letting go of your feelings 100%. Like, stop worrying about how you're feeling because then we're centering. And this is one of the reasons where fragility comes into play, for example, where yeah. white folks may center their own emotions and discomfort over everything else. Um, yeah. And so it's very important, I think, in empathy, even from my perspective, I'm going into a space where people are looking to learn. They are here to make mistakes. Um, and... I'm, I'm knowing I'm going in knowing that so I have to put aside some things as I'm listening so that way I'm understanding their context and what they're really saying and where they're really coming from right how did your parents talk about race how did your parents talk about LGBTQ plus folks how what, what did your community say how did you grow up and let me understand how you're seeing the world so that way I can kind of see through the telescope with you so that way I'm understanding how to best approach you and how we need to kind of focus that's why it's that's why I get really tailored with coaching um, is because everyone's trauma is different um, and needing to navigate that in a lot of different ways or the ways people learn is different. Um, so being able to kind of navigate that. So I, I think by approaching these conversations with empathy, um, A, that, take, that usually disarms a lot of people from being super combative from the beginning. 
Um, I'm also not talking about race first. Sorry about it. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is probably like identity or empathy or something like bigger and broader uh, because we need to have a basic understanding of us as humans before we can engage in that kind of conversation. Otherwise, it gets combative as well. Right. Um, and lastly, I think uh, or not lastly, I would say the other thing I'll add to it for my folks who are in these kind of spaces is remember that you can only dialogue with someone who is willing to dialogue with you. Um, dialogue does not look like debating. It doesn't look like an academic discussion. It's an actual experience about connecting. Um, and it's about really trusting and believing people's experiences. And that's a very different, uh, landscape than what is traditionally thought of when we're in these critical spaces and having these critical conversations. Last thing I'll point out too is self-care, self-care, self-care. If you are not practicing self-care, and when I say self-care, I don't mean the capitalism version where you like go to the spa or you go on this expensive I will never forget when this professor, we graduated grad school and she was like, so uh, what you doing after graduation? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I already got a job and stuff. I've been working for two weeks because I had, I was not playing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, girl. Yeah. Um, and so I'd already been working for two weeks and she's like, oh, what? You're not going to go on vacation? Like, I know other people are like going out of this country and going on some trips and going to relax for a while, take a break from work. And I was like, I looked at her and was like, my rent is due on the first. Like, it is due on the first. And they do not care about no vacation. They don't care about no rest. They don't care about... And I'm not saying, right, people, we don't deserve rest. But I think a lot of times when we think about self-care, people make it something that has to be so outside of yourself um that it's not always equitable and so there are the so you have the girls who they literally didn't have to work through grad school because their dad paid for their apartment the entire time their 1400 dollars a month uh, apartment um i was grinding just to keep my like free room and board and then y'all want to do this internship all this other stuff right and so and there's plethora of reasons why people don't go to the spa or don't go on vacation or don't just like you know things that we traditionally think of as self-care my challenge with that is always uh what i call identity-based self-care which is actually reconnecting yourself to your identities why they're important for you the values that you get from them and how do you honor that identity uh, so for me, ballroom is a huge part of that. Um, just going, uh, we train in session uh, once a week as a house. Um, and that's our space to kind of just vogue and get it out of our bodies um, and, you know, find creative expression. Um, it's also, for me, it comes from music. It comes from gaming. Um, it comes from writing when I finally put pen to paper. Um, all uh, of that. Writing. <laughs> Right, but the writer I, dilemma is putting pen to paper. Listen, oh my god! <laughs> um, so I think there are ways in which we can find room to take care of ourselves that doesn't have to have a dollar sign attached to it, and that's one of the ways that I also rejuvenate. And I also try to surround myself with people who don't add stress to my life. I, I surround myself with people who. Uh, I saw a quote that was like, and I forget this man's name, forgive me, uh, where he says, "You know, surround yourself with people who light up when they see you." Um, yeah. And I think I've created a community that feels like that. Um, so yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot there, but I think the root of it is you got to enjoy what you do. You have to actually enjoy and be fueled by it in some type of way, um, and then also know that you know there are going to be things that come along with it that aren't the best. <laughs> um, but that's also what you signed up to do, um, and that's a part of the thing you got to love. 
Um, and then lastly, take care of yourself. Um, find time to rest, find time for joy, all of that. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought up, well, a lot of those. So energy and people and things and, and people that bring you great energy, I second that. Another thing, people that bring you peace, like if you're, if you have done all this work to move, to put yourself through careers, to create a career that you love, why would you allow people that bring stress, strife, anxiety into your space? Because you've cultivated it. Because people are addicted to misery, darling. <laughs> and one thing about misery is it loves company. <laughs> loves company. And I'm, I'm really glad you said that because it can be hard to do that and hard to recognize and hard to like pick out, but it is so important inside is living proof. And I hope I'm like slightly living proof, <laughs> but that, that is really important uh, to really cultivate like what you spend your time around. Environment is really important. And I really love that you brought up ballroom because we've spoken about it. Like you told me about it and I'm grateful. I'm going to go to the Kiki ball. Um, when you first spoke about it, not here yet, but when we were having other conversations, you mentioned, you know, it was a chosen family. And so could you just speak a little bit on how important that is and has been to you? You already have, but like, just like what it's brought to you that you weren't expecting having people and energy around you that is like, you feel is very supportive and supportive of your various identities as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for the folks who may not know, again, Ballroom is, uh, or not again, but Ballroom was kind of founded with this idea of houses, right? And um, a Ballroom house is a group of folks that get together and they compete at the balls together, right? So you got me, House of La Beja, you got uh, the Revlons, you got the Balenciagas, you got the Ninjas, right? There's lots of legendary houses, Kiki houses. Um, and I think what's important to note about that is that the root of it is family and this idea that um, as queer and trans people, especially queer and trans people of color, uh, predominantly, um, a lot of us do not have families uh, that are biological that are supportive or that are understanding what being LGBTQ even means and creating a space that allows you to challenge gender roles and allows you to uh, find your own mode of self-expression and cultivate that. Um, so a ballroom house is your family that you get to choose, um, as uh, Blanca from Pose would say. Uh, it's the family that you get to choose. <laughs> um, but um, it really is, right? You have um, a lot of different traditional roles that would kind of take place in the family. For example, the house mother and the house father um, are usually um, a woman or in queer man who... Uh, are, are kind of the leadership of the house um, and they help guide you on your creative journey of becoming an artist, but also guide you in real life. Um, like a lot of times for me, um, there are people I look up to and see how they move around, but like how they navigate spaces in the real world. Um, my house mother being a trans woman or femme queen, um, mm -hmm. right? And even just my sisters, honestly, like watching everyone being their most authentic self, not just in a ballroom setting, but in real life all over the place, mm -hmm. it, it inspires and, and 
brings me a lot of courage to, you know, say where are what are things that I'm kind of putting off to the side or not expressing in the sake of trying to appease some type of uh, cis heteronormative. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I think that's one big part of it. And two, right, it's also this dedicated space where, again, you're kind of creating and cultivating this family. It's going to have drama the way that a regular family does. It's going to have uh, amazing bonding moments. Like we're going to one of my sister's graduation this weekend and we're going to support her in that. Um, and it's a space again, where you are celebrated again for being you, um, in all of your faults, all uh, of everything, and also challenging you to always be the best that you can be. Um, and I think that's a family that a lot of queer folks just don't always have access to. Uh, and it's one of the things that make ballroom ballroom is that's what's bringing you there too, is at the end of the day everyone that's involved in ballroom is your sibling um and you take care of each other and if you see each other out in public and y'all the only two queers there <laughs> y'all got each other's back um and it's i think it's, there's there's a point of kind of knowing that and i think a lot of again going back to this idea of chosen family um a lot of families just aren't safe for queer folks um, and that can be a very isolating, very lonely experience as you're trying to navigate the world and figuring things out and figuring out, um, gay life is also way different than straight life with all the different things you got to consider. We don't, we're not focused on a heteronormative thing. Um, sex is interesting and weird at times. Uh, all these things that you're trying to figure out, but like you don't have someone to navigate with you. Uh, so even yeah. folks who their families are uh, healthy and together, their ballroom family turns into something that was missing. Um, the, this kind of missing link that their straight cis uh, family members just cannot relate to. Um, and again, it's the family you get to choose and sometimes the family you choose is a stronger bond than the family you were born into. Yeah. The gag. <laughs> yeah, that that is simply the truth. And I just, it what it sounds like to me is like having a model of what you can become mm. or seeing someone live into themselves in a way that you hadn't seen before. Like that just shows you what's possible. And like, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you dropped so much. Uh, <laughs> I am excited to rewatch this episode. But before before I do that, before the listeners, obviously I always get the episodes fresh. So sorry, listeners. But um, <laughs> I want to know, like, you've mentioned a few things, like love what you do, dive into your passions, you know, choose people around you that are excited to be around you, like that support you. What do you want listeners and viewers to really like take away from this conversation? Mm. Um, it's the first, uh, so when I was creating Side B Consulting, I wanted to make sure that I was putting my values first. And so I did a, a word value sort. <laughs> if you've ever done that, it's an old psychology tool. Um, and you can literally find this online. But, um, if you look up values card sort, it's like an old, it's like, it's tried and true, like, we will do uh, it. I think they we'll use it more it. for occupational psychology or not occupational. But if you're like in career counseling, they use this a lot to try to figure mm-hmm. out what are your values to match you up. Anyway, I wanted my organization to be based on like a set of values. And the value that came up for me as number one uh, was authenticity. And mm-hmm. um, I think 
for me, that was crucial as a business and as a brand, first of all, because I think, uh, and I've had multiple people tell me this, which is nice and uh, very validating, that I do live my life through authenticity and people can feel my authenticity. And I think that's one of the reasons that uh, I resonate with so many people. And to that point, I think a lot of people, we are... I'll speak from my perspective, I wasn't right taught to be authentic. I was actually taught to be very inauthentic, right? So everything that was that came naturally to me uh, were things that were feminine and things that were very queer. Um, and so like those things I was told and instructed not to do, um, but my power, that's, that's where my power was. And I think a lot of us kind of get bogged down in hearing that over and over throughout our life, whether that's from parents, whether that's from school, your boss, uh, religion, whatever it is um, that may be kind of keeping you from being authentic, um, I think is what holds a lot of us back. So, uh, and to me, authenticity is unapologetically being yourself. Now, yourself might be a terrible person, and that's real. That's why we have therapy. <laughs> that's yeah. why you got to kind of watch, you know, and I think that's a part of it too, is like learning about yourself and being okay with the fact that there are times you're going to be wrong, there are times where you're going to like uh, hurt other people, um, and everything you can learn from. Um, but I think when you're not living authentically, then things don't really open up for you as much because you're not really gravitating towards the things that are supposed to open up. That are you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're not gravitating towards those things. You're gravitating towards things that are for other people, um, yeah. and then you're wondering why it doesn't work. Um, so uh, if something feels out of line, out of alignment, then there's some work that needs to be done there. So I would challenge everyone to, you know, figure out what is your authenticity? What does that really look like? Um, when are you the most joyous? How do you express things? How do you express yourself? Whether that's in your, I'm someone that I definitely put in my clothing. So you can see me from a mile away walking. Uh, walking because you can walking, walk oh walking walking that's, um, cool. that's also where my authenticity really lies i've always been into a uh, project runway and america's mm-hmm. next top model and design and fashion and uh trends i'm wearing ivy park right now duh um <laughs> duh. like you know, I, 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 there are things that I'm very interested in and that, that reads for me, right? It, it works for me because you can see my personality. Um, and I also want to stress, right, there's confidence and there's um, arrogance. Mm-hmm. And I think we get those conflated all the time. I think sometimes when I go on a date, for example, I feel like a lot of people are projecting that I'm going to be this like egotistical type of person because of the way that I dress and carry myself and that I look like I have everything together, whatever. Um Right. But to me, confidence is about yourself, whereas egoness is actually about other people. And I know that may sound flipped, uh, but I mean that in the sense of when you are confident in yourself, that means you love yourself. You love your you love your authenticity. You love your uniqueness. You don't care what no one got to say about the things that you like. You ain't worry about what no one got to say about how you present. And if those people come into your life being haters, uh, you can just cut them right off and just move on <laughs> because family. Her <laughs> case in point uh, versus arrogance or ego, I think is about actually trying to impress other people or trying to put on this persona that isn't actually you. It's just what you've been taught other people expect from you. Um, mm. And that I feel like that leads to like competition and so many other different things that it doesn't have to be. Um, so I, to be clear, I think 
finding your own authenticity and embracing that is the key to finding your confidence, which will be the key into unlocking whatever it is you're supposed to unlock. And you won't know until you get there, the gag. Um, it's the journey. It always is a journey. And not being afraid of that journey. I, I tell people I, I have no idea what's going on half the time because none of this is anything that I predicted. I wouldn't have been, I was supposed to be in an orchestra right now. Um, and now I'm doing this, which just for me feels so random. It's um, amazing. But it was amazing. It's amazing you claim that. Oh, no, it is. But it's also, um, it wasn't like a 10-year plan to get here. It was just following uh, the doors that were opening for me and following what felt right. Um, and, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's how you're on this podcast. First of all, that's how I have a podcast. I never dreamed of a- None of this was ever part of anything. I'm supposed to be a banker. So... <laughs> um, a banker? A banker. A banker. Ew. That sounds terrible. This, but okay, I don't want to minimize anything you just said, but because I like scroll Instagram, this is reminding me of a quote on there. It's like, you need to be you so that the people looking for you can find you. Ooh. Like the community, your, your family that you're supposed to be here with, the people that will support you like unconditionally that you Literally. maybe haven't experienced. And if that's not in the space that you are now, move. you the people that want to pay you too like all of it it's Mm. all of it so anyway (sighs) yeah i i just really like and then yeah i love the authenticity i feel like that is that is what i really appreciated about meeting you as well like the way you were dressed was amazing (laughs) i need to figure out how to like get a picture of that but because i have it remember i took a video for instagram because it was amazing and like the heeled boots i literally can't even walk in heels and and all that so i just like it's important to show up as you are and i i doubly underscore what you just said Mm -hmm. the last question of the interview is it's like a boring one sorry it's how can listeners like follow you along or like connect with you or just watch kind of what you do like what what method i know your website i know my business coach is so irritated with me probably because they have been asking me to start a podcast for the longest they've been asking me to do more Mm -hmm. public things and i'd be tired (laughs) i'd be tired i feel like if i didn't have the success that i was having I would have time to make some little workshops for y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, for right now, uh, you can um, definitely follow me on social media. Um, I have two pages, one that's pretty active, kind of, and the other one that uh, we're working on. <laughs> so, I, uh, so the first one, my kind of... Uh, public page is more about my life in ballroom and uh, my life in general but I don't I don't get too personal on that I I, I have a I have a boundary uh, but it's princess underscore soleil underscore la beja um and I'm sure if you can put that in yeah. something mm. I will I'm putting it all um and then the other one is at deep dive dei on instagram um, and then my website is deepdivedei.com. If you are interested or know someone that's interested, even if you're not the boss of your organization, like you just want to come <laughs> play chit chat um, and see what is possible. You can always schedule a free 45 minute consultation with me um, just so we can chat, see if I'm a good fit and everything. Um, and we can go from there. But there's also testimonials on my website, different things to check out, mm-hmm. different consultants that you can check out if maybe I'm not your fit. Um, yeah. 
I will add all of those in the episode description. They're already there because by the time they're watching this, they're there. So that's cool. <laughs> Saya, thank you so much for gracing the podcast. I'm so glad you agreed to come on the show. Oh, thank you for having okay. me. Thank you for thinking of me and stuff. Of course. You are so pointed. Like you have perspective. That's something I struggle with. We don't need to open that up at the end of the show. But yeah, like you have pointed, sharp perspective and like strong belief. And I just am glad that the listeners got to listen to it. And like, hopefully this like has them percolating and reflecting on things, just as you mentioned in the interview. So thank you for your time. And yeah, we'll we'll run into each other again. I'm going to, yeah. But already know. Literally. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 